shows up and then 400 guys show up and they're all in distress and every evening and morning they probably heard David talking about the Lord saying you know come you children listen to me I will teach you the fear of the Lord who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit and so they probably saw David having a relationship with God in those caves because remember David was running he runs to these caves and he gets to the caves and all of a sudden he gets alone with God and all of a sudden things start to work themselves out. experienced a hardship but chose to worship and praise God through it? When Christians suffer and walk through trials and remain joyful and seek and serve the Lord, we shine extra bright before unbelievers in this world. Today, Pastor Mark will be reminding us that we have a spotlight on us and that unbelievers are always watching us and waiting to see what we're going to do and say because we claim to be a Christian. New believers are watching as well. When David was being hunted by Saul, He still remained faithful and praised God, and his men and family around him saw this and grew in their faith. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22 with today's edition of Come Alive. When you think of good friend and the influence they have on you, you know, one of the things as I read this, you have to think, well, well, what kind of influence is David here? And so what kind of influence is the question kind of we want to start with, do your good friends have on you? So are you a broad path Christian or... Are you on that narrow path? Are you one who is easily influenced or the one who influences? And one of the things I can tell you, I was one that was an influencer in my BC days. I would influence everyone to do the wrong thing, as do as much wicked and harm as they possibly could. And then I met a guy that was an influencer. He started sharing Jesus with me. And I was intimidated by him a little bit. And for the first time by another guy in a long, long time that I'd gotten intimidated thinking that, wow, if me and this guy really did fight, he would beat me up, or it would be a close fight. But it, it would be, it'd be amazing, and, and I was intimidated. And he influenced me by the way he acted. He didn't force or push or guide me in a major direction by the, grabbing the back of my neck and forcing me into a direction. What he did, he was very kind and friendly and just offered up some scripture. And when I'd answer the questions of, the way I thought things should be or the way I thought things should go, he would say, well, you're kind of wrong because the Bible says. And I remember thinking, man, this guy is all about what the Bible says. And, and, I, and I asked him, I said, well, how do you know the Bible is right? And he goes, it is right. It doesn't lie. And so I said, well, how do you know? And he goes, would God lie? And I said, no, I don't believe in God. But if I did believe in God, I don't think he would lie. And he goes, well, then he wrote the Bible. And so now you just answered no, that God wouldn't lie. So now what? And I was just kind of stuck in a corner. But he was a good influencer, and then he introduced me to other guys that I thought were really cool, and I liked their influence, and they were truthful, they were kind, Uh, they wasn't harsh, like some of the people I hung out with, but they were very cool. And so 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals or character. And so do you remember in chapter 22, a few weeks ago, in verse 2, we read about the kind of people that came to where David was, and we're going to backtrack a little bit 
you know, it says 400 ragtag. It doesn't really say ragtag in the Bible, but in the version I'm reading. But it says 400 guys came to David. They came down to gather to him. And they all wind up, and David winds up being their leader. But they all wind up having these problems. And so you think about it. It says some of them were destitute. Some of them were in debt. Some of them were broke. All these guys had reason to complain and be bitter and angry. And so they all come to the caves. And that, when you went to the caves, it pretty much meant you were homeless. And the caves were just a cheap, easy place to live. And so they all come down there, and you have to think about what David did. You know, he was down there hanging out by himself, and all of a sudden his family shows up, and then 400 guys show up, and they're all in distress. And every evening and morning, they probably heard David talking about the Lord, saying, you know, come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. And so they probably saw David having a relationship with God in those caves. Because remember, David was running. He runs to these caves and he gets to the caves and all of a sudden he gets alone with God. And all of a sudden things start to work themselves out. And we read some of those Psalms that that David wrote while he was in the cave at Adullam. So David had set out to teach them the fear of the Lord. So maybe you might not feel that, well, you know, why do I have to teach my friends about God? I mean, you know, I'm not running from anyone, and I'm not starting an army, and I'm not going for political office. But So what's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. Again, are you an influencer, or are you easily influenced? Do your friends drag you away from the Word of God, or do you push and go towards the Word of God? Just with your own life. So David had set out to teach these guys, and he was trying to influence them. He became their leader, and he took a stand for God. And so can we take that same stand? Because his heart's right and his spirit's strong. He turned these men into a righteous military fighting machine. He became the influence over others, and they got to see how God prevailed. And we're going to see that today in chapter 23. Because his heart is right, his spirit is strong, he turned these men into that righteous military army. And you might feel at your workplace or on your block or at your school, you may feel like, you know what, you're the only Christian that's there. And could there be two would be the question I have. And that's the question I always ask myself when I walk into some place and I feel like I'm the only Christian that's in this workplace environment or wherever I'm at. And I always ask myself, could there be two of us? Could there be? Sure there could be. Uh, There could be a conversion very easily. There could be another one that's so scared and afraid that's not saying anything and feels so outnumbered that they just need the encouragement of a second. Anybody ever been there where you've been kind of standing alone, you don't fit in? And I, I remember in school, in high school, like one time I went to a party, this cheerleader, and I, I wasn't a jock or anything, but this cheerleader had invited me to a party. I didn't like any of the people that were there except for the cheerleader and her friend. And so I remember as I walked in, I kind of stood around and hung out by myself And it felt so good when she and her friend came up and started talking to me. I had two friends. In a room full of people, there were three of us. And there were just two that I could relate to. And then all of a sudden, they introduced me to some other people and, and more people and started finding out, hey, we had some things in common. And it it felt great. The same thing still happens. Sometimes I'll show up at a church and I'm invited to speak and I'll kind of just sit there and nobody really talks to you or says anything. And all of a sudden somebody recognizes you and they come over and they say, hey man, how's it going? And you're like, oh man, cool. At least I have a friend, somebody I can hang out with. I'm not just going to stand here and everybody's thinking, what's this weirdo doing hanging out? Why is he backstage or wherever? And so it's good to have a friend. It's good to be there 
but sometimes it just takes one to take a stand. And so you might be that person in the workplace that stands up and, and displays that Christianity and, and in the workplace. And if you think about it, what would happen if you did? And you might find that there are others that are kind of in the nooks and crannies, those CIA Christians, not letting anyone know because they're not real sure. They could be young in the Lord. They could have just accepted Jesus that weekend, and they really need that encouragement. Could you be that type of a person? Can you be that example? Could you be that influence? And so it takes a special person to do that. Think about who you saw that influenced you, you know, and think about that person in this fellowship that you would follow. And it's important. So if you were an on-fire Christian, well, and you produce fruit that other people want, others will follow. Others will follow. But if you're that quiet Christian, and I say this to our leadership all the time, whatever we as the leadership do, the fellowship will follow. So if we're not out witnessing and sharing our faith, well, then most of you be like, well, what's the point? He says to do it, but he doesn't do it. He says to read his Bible, and, well, we went to his house, and there's not a Bible in it. The only Bible he owns is on his pulpit, and it stays there all week by itself. And it does. This one does. This isn't my study Bible. But what if? What if that would happen? Well, what if you went and you saw that, well, there's nothing Christian about my lifestyle. And so that can happen. And sometimes we're so quiet, and other people follow, and, They do the same that we do because they might look up to you. And they might think, well, it's cool for that guy or that girl to stay quiet, so it must be cool for me to do that as well. So who do people look at you? You you may never know that you might be an influencer. You just don't know that you are. So think about the people that saw what Jesus had and what they had wanted. I mean, think about what they saw. They saw Jesus doing certain, certain things. They saw him doing miracles. They saw him teaching and it's amazing to me that the disciples didn't ask to learn how to teach or how to get fish to produce money. And you guys know my story on that because that would be the first thing I'd say, Jesus, don't teach me how to pray. I can figure that one out on my own. How about the fish with the money in the mouth? That's what I want to know how to do. I'd be at the water every day going, okay, fish, next, next, next. It'd be the reverse of when you throw your pennies in the water. They'd be flying out of the water at me. But what did they see? What did they want? They wanted that relationship with God because they said, teach us how to pray. And they wanted that relationship with God. And so they saw joy, peace, endurance, and perseverance. And it was displayed. How many of us do not display that stuff? How many of us just display what we need to do to get through a day at work or in the home or at the store? Look at verse 1. It says, then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floor. Well, the city of Keilah is in the lowlands of Judah, and and the perpetual enemies of Israel are there, ripping off their food supply. Uh, They're thieving, they're stealing. Look at verse 2, and it says, Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? David inquired of the Lord. He asked. He didn't be like, Well, those dirty, rotten rats are attacking my countrymen. I'm just going to go after him. I'm going to get him. He inquired. He said, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this something I should do? Should I take a stand? Should I go and help somebody in need? And so he asked the Lord. And the Lord says, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Look at verse 3. But David's men. But David's men said to him, look, we're afraid here in, in Judah. We're afraid. We're scared. Dave, bro, 
I mean, it's the Philistines. And, and there's, there's a lot of them, and there's only 400 of us or 600 of us at this point. And we've been with you for such a short while. But if you notice something, look what happens. Verse 3, it says, look, we're afraid in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? How much more are we going to be scared? This is a scary thing. Oh, we really are just a ragtag bunch of guys. And then David inquired of the Lord once again. There's nothing wrong with going twice to the Lord saying, are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? So he does it. And the Lord answered him and said, arise, get up. Don't just sit there because it's not going to take care of itself. Arise, get up, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. Well, Lord, if you're going to beat the Philistines, what do you need me for? Right? Lord, if you want to evangelize the world, why me? Well, I mean, when's the last time you saw a dog witnessing to a human? I mean, he, he could use those. But he uses us as his instruments to take care of what he wants to have taken care of. So David inquires, the Lord says, go, I'm going to deliver the Philistines into your hand. Basically, if somebody guaranteed you, if we were going to go play another church in softball, football, I don't know, some game, kickball, extreme kickball, Shaolin soccer, I don't know. But if we were going to do that, and and the Lord says, hey, here's the deal, guys, you're going to win. Just go play. How many of us would go out there and do it? We would probably all be like, all right, man, if it's a guaranteed win, we're going for it. We're going to go. And so this is what happens. They go. They now number about 600. They said, hey, man, we're a little scared. We got Saul coming after us on one end. We got these Philistines that we got to fight on this other end. We, we can't take on the responsibility. We're under attack ourselves. Dave, do you understand that? And David didn't call them cowards or berate them. He didn't go chicken. I can't believe you're doing this. He didn't get on to them for their lack of faith. But he just had compassion. And what did he do? He went to the Lord. He simply inquired uh, of the Lord. And once again, the Lord reaffirms. And David says, you know, where where to go. Where to go and fight. A lot of times, sometimes we think, oh, man, those guys, they can't do anything. I can't believe they're doing this, 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 and that, and the other thing. Instead, we we should just go to the Lord. Sometimes that happens here. You know, we we put on an outreach, and and we we don't see a lot of people signing up. We're like, all right, Lord, we know who you want. You want want people who can handle this. You want people who are going to really stand in the gap and really pray and really do what you want. And we're not going to get on to those who don't sign up because, you know what, Lord, maybe you just don't want them there anyway. Maybe that's your blessing upon this outreach is by that person not being there or those people not being there. So, Lord, with the few that we have, let it be successful. And we've seen that before. We've seen that happen. And so in verse 5, if you look there, it says, And David and his men went to Keilah, and they fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow, and they took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. So there's a, a group in need, and they're crying out, to someone with compassion, but David doesn't immediately jump up and go meet that need. He, he spent some time in prayer. Notice David, he takes a, a position in the Lord, and he asks if this was a fight that God wanted him to be in. Is this a fight you want us to be in, Lord? And you and I as Christians should not be in a fight that God doesn't want you to fight. Hey, you've heard of choose your battles. We as Christians battle. And sometimes there's a battle we have to choose, and we have to be wise in choosing it. His men were scared, and they knew David. See, here's the great thing about this being the influencer. They knew who David was. They knew he was in tune with the Lord. They knew he would go to God and say, God, is this what we need to do? And he does. 
And he chooses his battle wisely. And if we go to battle and God doesn't want us there, then we can rely on our own flesh. But what happens then is, well, we usually get beat down. We get worn out. We get discouraged. And we're like, man, really? I mean, I really wanted to go fight and use this really cool new sword that I had. And I got this awesome shield. And man, you know, and so I went out there and I can't believe you let me get beat up. Or, you know, I was running on the charge and I tripped and fell and knocked myself out. How embarrassing is that? But if God calls you into battle, then you won't have to rely on your own strength. He's going to use you and battle through you. See, he can battle through you and I. And so these guys knew David would tap into God and God would work all things together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. How can you throw that verse in there? Well, isn't it his purpose to save the people of Keilah? Isn't he the one that said, hey, David, go down and rescue them? That's his purpose? And when it's his purpose, I mean, how do we fail doing his purpose if he calls us to do his purpose? And maybe that is, hey, I want to tell you something, buddy, at work, my desk mate, my friend, my neighbor, my school friend. I want to tell you about Jesus. Isn't that part of his, his calling us according to his purpose? To make disciples, to share our faith, to tell others about him? To follow him. You know, it's like Twitter. It's always follow me on Twitter. Well, Jesus was the first one to do that. Follow me. He was the first guy to have that. And so you see that. He says, hey, just uh, my purpose is this. You know, I, I was talking with a group of pastors this week, and we were talking about how a lot of Christians don't even know what the Gospels are all about. Now, eh, don't raise your hands, but I'm going to ask some questions if I said the Gospels are all about Jesus, I know some hands would go up, but I'd have to say, no, it's not about that. Others might say, well, it's about getting to heaven. I'd say, no, it's not about that. Uh, well, then if it's not about Jesus and it's not about going to heaven, then what's it about? Jesus tells us in the middle of what we call the Lord's Prayer, it's about your kingdom come on, he- on heaven as it is on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom on earth, the reign that kingdom and all the rest of that stuff will follow through. Because who's the Holy Spirit point to? Jesus. Who's Jesus point to? God. What's it all about? It's about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth to let people know. And then, yeah, it does eventually, you know, in relation, it is about Jesus. It is about going to heaven and rescuing those who are lost. So one of those things, you know, that that David does is being tapped into God. He says, hey, it's all about you, Lord. It's about bringing rescue to these people who need to be rescued from the attack of the enemy. And and it's important. So here they're, they're looking for somebody who had enough faith to rub off on them. These men who come to David in, in, in chapter 22. And, and you never know, you know who that person can be. And, and you might know somebody like that that has a lot of faith and you want them to rub that faith all over you. I mean, those people that you meet and you're just like, dude, I wish I, wish I could have a walk like you. I wish I could have that spiritual insight like you. I wish I could just recite Bible verses the way you recite Bible verses. Anybody know anyone like that? And if you do, then you know what? Try to emulate them. Try to do what they do. And so they got enough faith for themselves and you, those people that you just are like, man, that's an awesome, that's an awesome brother or sister in the Lord. And so they actually provoke others to righteousness just simply by the way they act and live because they're tuned into God. David went, was that guide, and David went back to God, and God said, you guys are going to win. So David says, okay, guys, God said we're going to win, and they're like, good enough for us. Let's go for it. Look at verse 6. 
Now it happened when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with an ephod in his hand. And so here we see what it, uh, a word called an ephod. An ephod was a vest worn by the high priest. It's attached, attached to it were 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel. This comprised of the Urim and the Thummim. Sounds like I got a problem, but it's, that's the way you say it. It's used by the high priest to determine God's will. Now look at verse 7. It says, And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And so this town was kind of walled in on three sides. It had one way in. And so Saul's thinking, wow, the Lord has delivered him. But I mean, it's like, come on, bro, seriously? You haven't been doing anything God wants you to do, and now all of a sudden you're going to see this? And you're going to think that it's God. And so when you read these two verses, you see that the writer's trying to say something or show us something. Well, what's he trying to show us? Well, he's saying that David has something divine and Saul has something called the grapevine. And so here's some, David has divine, Saul has the grapevine. Saul heard from someone that David was in Keilah. He heard. God didn't tell him that, but he had heard. And David prayed, and he goes to the high priest. We see that. He does some godly things here. goes to the high priest, and he would reach into the ephod, that high priest, and he would pull out a stone that would determine God's will. And sometimes I wish it was just that easy in my life. I mean, I tried that the other day. I went outside and picked up a couple of rocks, and I said, all right, Lord, this is, if this is what you want me to do, then let me choose it. Closed my eyes, rolled them around, and grabbed one. And I was like, all right, Lord, I, I'm not cool with that answer. And I threw the rocks out the window, and I just waited for a an answer. I'm still waiting. I should have just chose that rock. It probably would have just got the thing over with. But, um, you know, I mean, that's what they would do. They'd just stick it in there and in their hands in there and they'd pull it out and be like, all right, this is God's will. So he prays and then he goes to a priest and, and he seeks God that way. And so how much time, you know, is one of these things that I was really convicted of this week. I started thinking as I was wrestling with these verses is how much time do you spend on Facebook? I have a lot of friends that are like, dude, we haven't seen you on Facebook in forever. And I get on maybe once every three or four weeks, throw something out there and shut it down. But how much time do you spend on Facebook? Or maybe how much time do you spend in front of the television compared to your prayer time? If you had to compare your prayer time to TV time and you think that David and I had this thing whole thing planned out his was on his own but maybe it's it's something that we need to hear and how much you know how many hours do you watch of news compared to the amount of time you pray and i was really convicted of this psalm 40 tells us you see that david has learned that the battles of god that god had called him to fight are those things those ones he had success in The people we meet in the book of 1 Samuel are quite the characters. We meet a woman who gave her only child to God and a boy who heard and answered the call of the Lord. We also find a frightened king and a brave shepherd boy, both of whom would lead the people of Israel. Through each of these people and circumstances, we discover God's hand at work in powerful ways. We are so glad you tuned in today to Come Alive. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play or iTunes to keep up to date with the latest from Come Alive and the church behind it. Calvary Chapel Katy is led by Pastor Mark Martinez and a staff of Jesus-loving, friendly people who do all we can to spread the good news of the gospel to all who walk through our doors. If you're in the Katy area, Tracy has an invitation for you. We'd absolutely love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Katy for our Sunday morning service. 
We're now meeting at Wood Creek Elementary School, located at 1155 Wood Creek Bend Lane. It's exciting to be in a new space, and we hope you're able to come worship the Savior and study the Bible with us, filling our new home with praise and prayer. Give us a call for more information and directions, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. That's 281-391-5503. Thanks for listening today to Come Alive.